Community-led goat has been all the hype recently, but if you look at most companies' community, what you hear is crickets. But if you look at Pocus's product and sales community, you can see the members welcoming each other, they're responding to each other, and they're lifting everybody up. The secret is their AMA series work. Experts from Clearbit, OpenView, and Notion have come on to answer any questions from community members. It's been so central in their marketing firewall and community growth. Today, Sandy Mangat, the head of marketing at Pocus, discusses in detail their AMA community strategy. In this Marketing Pops episode, you learn first how Pocus's AMA series fueled its marketing flywheel. Second, how building a network of mentors and advisors accelerated Sandy's career. Third, how Sandy repurposes those AMA recordings into articles and podcast episodes. And fourth, how Sandy identifies product evangelists through their community. Before we start, I've created a free power-up street sheet that you can download, fill in, and apply Sandy's EMA community strategy right away to your business. You can go to marketingpowerups.com to get it right now or find that link in the description and show notes. Are you ready? Let's go. Marketing Power-Ups. Ready? Go! Here's your host, Ramley John. We're going to be talking about marketing power-ups specifically for Pocus community has such been a big part of the marketing flywheel. Specifically, like a, I, I'm looking at your AMA, your Ask Me Any, any Anything uh, series, and it's such a great like content and also community uh, growth approach. And you've had like so many great like growth leaders and product-led sales folks there from OpenView, Clearbit, and Notion, Monday, a lot. Yeah. Um, community has been important to Pocus's growth and go-to-market motion from even before we had a product. So our founders, Alexa <laughs> and Isaac, um, they were having hundreds of conversations with sales leaders at PLG companies talking about this new thing, product-led sales. Um, and you know, there was a lot of nodding heads like, yes, this is, this is what we're doing, but there's no name for it. And actually there, I have a lot of questions. Um, so while they were excited about the product, they were also had a lot of questions about things outside of the product. Like, how do you actually make this motion run? Product led sales is not just something you can solve with a tool. It's, it's something that is transformative for a company. And so you need to think about how are you going to hire differently? How are you going to compensate differently? How are you going to enable your teams differently? And so all of these questions are questions I like to think of as difficult to Google, or I guess now difficult to chat GPT. Um, and so the community was really born out of this desire to one, connect those people so that they can learn from each other and start answering some of these quote, ungoogleable questions. I, I love that it's fo- the foundation is to solve a problem. I think the whole drive to like product-led growth and now and community-led growth is that a lot of companies like open up communities without like trying to understand exactly what the community is solving as a problem. And for this is like, People I talk I have a ton of questions about product-led sales. They they want to know. You mentioned compensation and structure and things like that. And your you um, the, the focus team really built this community to solve the problem. Is is what I heard. Yeah, and I think um, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. You got to think about your community like it's a product. Um, you would not build a product without thinking about the value you're adding to the end user, would you? 
it's the same thing with community. Um, and if you're going to build a community where maybe something already exists, it's the same thing with a product. Lots of products enter categories that are already very, very busy. What is your unique value proposition? Um, how are you making things 10x better? Those are the same questions you should be asking yourself when you're building a community. And I think the mistake a lot of folks make, like you said, is building community for the sake of community as a building community for the sake of community as a channel um, for lead gen, essentially. Um, Whereas I think communities that are super successful are ones that think about value first, education, connection. It's really not self-serving. It's it's serving your your audience or your potential customers. And just like to double click on that idea that community is a product. What I heard earlier was that Alexa and the co-founder they really did a lot of user research. I think great product leaders and product folks they think about like let's do some user research because pro- building product is expensive. <laughs> so yeah. the same thing with this is like what are what are the kind of questions that people who are talking about product-led sales are stuck on that you mentioned that is not as ungoogleable because maybe there's not enough content on it. So I think that's another thing that I, that I heard that can really contribute to community as a product. Yeah. And actually, that's why I think AMAs are super successful for us because it's an informal setting. It leads to those interesting conversations, the stuff you can't Google. And... I think, you know, we all learn from each other's experiences. So having guests on that have been there and done that on specific topics related to product-led sales um, allowed us to kind of go deep into the nitty-gritty, um, those questions that are that are hard to find uh, just by reading a case study about the growth of Slack. You're not going to learn about the maybe the, the less – uh, well thought out like frameworks. You're going to hear about the mistakes that they made. You're going to hear about, um, you know, the the projects that didn't work out. So I think there's a lot of value in having a bit of that informality to the conversations that happen in a community. I love those AMAs. I've been on one. And one thing that really struck with me was that when people came on that you and Alexa were like greeting folks by name and then they were saying hey to each other and they were talking about like, oh, how was your weekend? It's like uh, there's that connection piece that you mentioned earlier. Can you talk, what what was that experience like building that AMA to feel that connection that uh, that I don't see uh, as often in communities that I see in the focus community? Yeah, I, I think that is probably one of the the things that we spent the most time on in the beginning was one, our community um, remains invite only. Um, so you can apply to join the community and we reserve the right to not let you in. Um, and what that does is makes it so that we're getting the right folks in to have the right kinds of conversations. Um, and because of that, Alexa and I, basically vet every single person that comes into the community. So even before we talk to you on Slack or meet you at an AMA, we already know your name because we probably came across it. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, it gets harder and harder with the with scaling and the volume that we're experiencing now. But I would say we still take the time to look at the intros channel, learn about what types of folks are joining the community 
and engage with them whenever possible, uh, either through a quick DM or encouraging them to ask a question and then helping them find the folks that can answer that question by tagging them. Um, I think that's super important to do at every stage of growth in a community. Today, it's it's done by myself, Ivana on my team, and Alexa and others in our in our company. But eventually, you know, we'll have a community team that's going to build those connections. But building the connections between yourself and community members, and then also encouraging connection between community members, um, leads to a lot of stickiness with your community, uh, which I think. With all things, people want to have human connection, um, especially as we kind of lacked it so much for a few years there when we were all locked up. But um, yeah, people want to connect with folks that are doing similar things to them. And I guess as you do more of those AMAs, you um, people start recognizing the same names, and that kind of that's. That's a great thing about like having like a online form or channels like like Slack, and also like having a like a virtual like meetup slash yeah. AMA is like you're 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 deepening that connection so to speak rather than like oh we're chatting now we're seeing kind of each other through through the Zoom AMA setting is that yeah. is that what you you saw you've we've been seeing in the Pocus community? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's creating all these different touch points. And we actually started doing some uh, in-person events as well. So taking the relationship e- even further, um, I would say a lot of our inspiration for everything that we do from a community perspective comes from the community brands that we respect and love, like Notion. Um, and so really shout out Notion with their insane so community. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's all about finding the layers of connection and and you won't be able to do that with everybody in the community. Just like a product, you've got you know power users and then you've got more casual users and same thing with community. We've got uh, like power community members who are, they're, they're part of the journey with us really. Those folks that are super engaged and we, we build that relationship with, they're helping us build this category. They're helping us push- right push this category forward. Um, so they're more than community members. They're like extensions of the POCUS team. Right. That that totally makes sense. They've kind of become evangelists of not just yeah. POCUS, but of product-led sales. They've been talking about it to other people in their industry. Yeah, exactly. Before we continue, I want to thank those who made this video possible, 42 Agency. Now, when you're in scale-up mode and you have KPIs to hit, the pressure is on to deliver demos and signups. And it's a lot to handle, demand gen, email sequences, rev ops, and even more. That's where 42 Agency, founded by my good friend, Camille Rexton, can help you. They're a strategic partner that's helped B2B SaaS companies like ProfitWell, Teamworks, ProtSocial, and HubDoc build a predictable revenue engine. If you're looking for performance experts and creatives to solve your marketing problems at a fraction of the cost of in-house, Look no further. Go to 42agency.com to talk to a strategist to learn how you can build a high-efficiency revenue engine now. You can find that link in the description below. Let's jump back in. And one thing that is often a sticky point with community is um, trying to justify it as uh, as an investment. And you mentioned that how community has become when we were chatting about what to chat about, this is like something that got me excited. You mentioned community 
it's such a central part of the marketing flywheel of Pocus. What is what is that? How how does that look like? I'm curious for for especially for people who are like, oh, let's just start a community and haven't really thought about what it means in terms of the, the larger marketing uh, uh, strategy or playbook. Yeah. So community is such an important part of the marketing flywheel for a few different reasons. The first one is we're, we're entering a new category, we're building a new category. And so there's a huge burden for education. Um, and we're educating that like next generation of go-to-market leader. And so what better way to do that than through a community setting where everyone can learn from each other and um, we were very intentional in the early days of Pocus, and I credit Alexa and Isaac for this completely because they're the ones who really set up this culture where we are not dictating from an ivory tower what it means to run this like right. product-led sales or hybrid motion. We're learning from this community of folks who have been doing this or have just started doing this, are learning new things. We want to leverage their knowledge and we want to leverage their best practices, their frameworks. Um, we have opinions too, but it's about building this together. And so that informed those those early conversations then informed the content that we created from a marketing perspective. So my content calendar for the first six months at Pocus was just answering community questions um, and then taking their their feedback on those questions and figuring out what experts we should bring in. Like, hey, I know the best person to talk to about this topic at so-and-so company. You should interview him. You should bring him on for an, a for an AMA or you should interview her and create a piece of content. So the content strategy came organically through the community. The other piece, which you mentioned, is evangelists. So when you're building a category, you can't be the only people you know, beating on the drum of that category. You need yeah. other folks to beat that drum for you. And so community, by virtue of it being this place where you come and connect about things that you care about, um, naturally leads to building a bit of uh, an evangelist network and, and creating that evangelist influencer flywheel. Um, and I think there's there's two other things that community contributes to. Brand loyalty which we talked about, um, when you have a personal connection to folks building a company like Alexa and I, Isaac, Ivana, whoever else you engage with in the community, I think it leads to you having an, an, a different kind of relationship with that brand and with that product. So I think, and brand, as we know, raises all boats. So if you can create a cult following for your brand, you know, you're doing something right. And then the last thing, and it's last for a reason, is the the prospect of it being a lead gen channel. So oftentimes for us, the first touch point a person that becomes a customer down the line has is with the community. Um, but it's not something we are actively pushing. We're not mining our community as like a pool of prospects. We're really letting that journey happen organically from first touch point in the community, learn about product-led sales, and then maybe six months down the line, you realize, I'm ready for a tool to solve this problem. And then you already know Pocus at that point. But it's not something that is at the top of that list for a reason. 
because it creates a bad experience for community members. Yeah, I've been in those communities where you get a DM and, you, and it's obvious that it's the community's main purpose is to be a lead gen channel for you know, something like courses or product or something like that. And it's true, it's about, you mentioned it earlier about being value first with the community itself. I really love how you called a lot of that stuff out. I think the other piece that is interesting is how uh, you and your team has been like repurposing like those AMAs. I feel like that's such a great like play on content repurposing where you're taking this like really amazing interview that the community members like we want to hear and learn from somebody from Notion about community like Ben Lang or something that you had on or uh, Kyle Poyer from OpenView and they're turning that into this really like you, your team does such a good job of turning that into a blog post that is consumable. It's not just like bullet points. <laughs> you know, there's even some images that is like custom made for that, which I like. I really appreciate uh, that people don't think about how how is that um, how is also the community kind of driving the almost content strategy as well. For, for focus. The best way to get people to care about the stuff you write about is for them to really be the ones driving the agenda. That's so true. yeah, we let the community drive a lot of our content strategy. And luckily, it is in line with the things that we want to talk about too, that we care about. Um, it, the, the reason behind wanting to repurpose the AMAs in the early days was a pretty... Um, <laughs> Uh, it will be one that a lot of startup marketers are familiar with. You just need a source of content that's easy. That's true. And <laughs> what's easier than having right. an AMA, people ask the questions, and then you turn that into a piece of content. Um, so it's 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 a very kind of like low lift way to get uh, content out there about topics that your community or audience cares about. Um so in the early days, it was it was about speed to execution and and being scrappy. Like I was the first, uh, I was the only marketer, um, and so I had to do what was going to be efficient for me. Um, so in those early days, it was like I can't think of a thought leadership blog post for every week, right. um, but I'm gonna have thought leaders on for these AMAs, and right. that's how we kind of get at that. That's so good, though. I mean, it's just. Just so, I, it's just like, it's a resource constraint, but it's just so, so, so smart. Like, cause you're taking, you're, you're interviewing this really like people who are um, leaders in their space. They have some opinions, there's questions from the community. And then that's essentially your outline. <laughs> You've <laughs> yeah, created like this up. amazing outline already based on like some of the questions that people want to know. I mean, like the best blog post answers question that people want to know and. You've just crowdsourced essentially uh, this piece of content that's really amazing. Yeah. Um, Emily Kramer, who, mm. if you are a marketer love, and you're yeah. not following Emily, like, what are you Subscribe. doing? <laughs> Subscribe <one>. right now. <laughs> um, Emily Kramer uh, has a great uh, piece in her Substack on this, which is about treating content like a product too and having a content roadmap. But one of the things that she talks about a lot is getting more mileage out of your content. And often as marketers, we get excited about topics that we want to write about and we forget about the distribution strategy and how we're going to actually leverage that content to hit our goals. 
sometime. And then you get into this problem similar to community of content for content's sake, and you're pumping stuff out that, you know, may not have impact. And so when you're thinking about content, always think about what else you can get out of that content, I think is a best practice that is now ingrained in me. And I don't, I don't, we don't build content without thinking about that. And so with AMAs, it was like, okay, we're recording this thing with the the thought that maybe one day we will actually make this available as something because we've got the recording. We'll either clip it and we'll make social posts out of it or we'll do something. Um, but you know, thinking about that early then allows you to set up for that. So if you're having a case study conversation and you're going to write a case study, maybe ask permission to record it. And one, it will serve your purpose for writing the case study. But two, you could maybe then repurpose that content later for like testimonial clips or something else. I just want to double down on that. Make sure people check out Emily Kramer on um, Substack with Market One. I'll, I'll link that in the show notes. But another really interesting thing that occurred, uh, I just noticed just recently, is this EMAs are now available as a podcast on you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, it's called Unlocking Revenue Podcast, which I'll, once again, I'm linking a bunch of stuff in the show notes <laughs> in the description, but it's so good and value-packed, all, all that stuff. What was the process or thinking around like maybe we have enough is that we have enough backlog so that we can release an episode once a week for the next few months? Is that the reason why it's like it's now time after a year, a year and a half of doing AMAs now you release yeah. the show? So there's two things at play here. One is always be repurposing. Always uh, <laughs> <I love it. laughs> make your life easier. So always, always repurpose. And two, I I like to think so. There's like the debate of gated versus ungated in marketing, um, and it depends a lot on your go-to-market motion. If you are sales-led, obviously you need to gate some things. If you're more PLG, you can get away with being more ungated because discoverability is so important. Um, we're kind of in the middle, and so the way that we think about gating is it's like a time box gating. So the reason why we waited a year is AMAs were exclusive oh, to community members. So you had to sign up for the community to get access to AMAs. And so if you want access to AMAs live, you must become a community member. If you're not a community member, you get them at a bit of a delay. We drop the AMAs as a podcast in seasons. And so now you're getting kind of, you know, a, a bit of a delay in getting that insight, but you're still getting access to it just after a bit of a time box where we've made it exclusive and important for a certain group of folks who have opted in. That makes sense. And then the call to action in the episode is like, join the community and you'll get early access yeah, to this exactly. conversation. That's so, so smart. I didn't even And the unvarnished that. version, right? Unvarnished. Like you see it, the you raw, see it you know, this yeah. rawness. I yeah. love that. The, the live uncut versus uncut. the- Wow, we we make it all nice and yeah. you know Spotified right. up. <laughs> yeah, like under the city, uncut. Like that's so good. Like raw. Like you get access to it. I think that it really. It seems like this whole AMA is like so central in terms of like community and growth and content here. Thank you for yeah. And it's something sharing. so easy for yeah. anyone to do if it makes sense for your your ICP. Um, 
lucky for us, we're selling to go to market people. Go to market mm. folks love to chat. They love to connect. <laughs> so that's true. It makes sense. It totally makes sense. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I love that. I want to actually guess thank you for sharing all that with the, the AMA, how it's been so central as a strategy for your content and community. I want to shift gears and talk about career power-ups. Specifically, you've been in marketing now for, I think, uh, looked at your LinkedIn about uh, almost a decade here. And I'm curious, what's helped you with your career, um, accelerate your career, move it forward, and you know, just become the, the best marketer that you can be? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So many things. And it's crazy that it's been almost a decade. I I still feel like that baby marketer some days um, doing her first software startup job. Um, I would say one of the things, it, it, this is unrelated to marketing, but choosing you know the right company to go work for, choosing the right kind of startup and startup team. I think culture is really important um, to think about and you should be choosing the opportunities that, that give you potentially a lot of latitude to learn a lot of things very quickly. So personally for me, I my first startup job, um, my first official startup job, I definitely had some other ones where I worked for. I worked for a startup that was bootstrapped with four people that did not work out. Um, it, was, it was like DoorDash before DoorDash. Um, and uh, we probably just gave up on the idea too too soon, but that's neither here nor there. I worked for a startup called Bitstew and um, I joined as like, you know, the lowest on the totem pole marketer. It was, it was like a marketing coordinator. Um, but joining a startup of that size at Series B, there was a lot going on. There weren't enough bodies. So I just got thrown into things. Um, I raised my hand for a lot of stuff that I had no clue what I was doing. Um, and I'll give credit to the to the leaders at that company, um, especially my mentor, Franco, who really saw that I had technical curiosity. And so he threw me into product marketing. Um, and I had no idea what product marketing was at the time. And that really, you know, being curious, asking questions, raising your hand, all of that I think is incredibly important to do when you're early on in your career. Um, and I think it teaches you a, a really important skill, which is to be resourceful and, and understand like how to ask the right kinds of questions. I think what sets apart some folks is you shouldn't be afraid to ask any kind of question, but you should also start to get good at asking the right kinds of questions because the right kinds of questions will get you a level deeper um, than maybe asking certain surface level questions. Um, let's see, what else? I would say for me personally, being close to product has been incredible in my career. And I think it's more important now than ever with more companies becoming product-led. You really can't be an effective marketer without understanding your product and, and also understanding the broader go-to-market and how your product fits into it. So understanding like product market fit and understanding how your product goes to market, the, the channels that make sense for that product, all of those things are, I think, really critical for marketers to understand. So getting closer to the product will make you, I think, a better marketer. And certainly for me, I spent a lot of my career in product marketing 
and I think makes me better as a marketer kind of holistically because I understand how to translate, you know, product features into things that customers care about. Um, I know I'm saying a lot of stuff, but I, oh, I have a couple going. more. This is good. This <laughs> is I'm good. <laughs> keep it going. Um, I So working in a, not everyone's going to have the luxury of working in a startup. <laughs> I say luxury, um, semi-jokingly. Um, but you, everyone has an opportunity, I think, to try and build things zero to one. If you don't have that opportunity in the company you're working for because you work for a big corporate and you don't have a lot of latitude, I would say build something on the side. Learn how to build things zero to one. It makes you so much better at everything else because you learn to be resourceful and scrappy and you need to actually go through and do things yourself before I think you can be very good at outsourcing them to other people or hiring people to do those things for you. So good. So many to un- uh, so much to unpack there. Just like I feel like we can go on a new episode <laughs> just based <laughs> on those three things you mentioned. Like making sure you know the right kind of questions to ask, making sure you know you feel free to create as well as like being close to product. Those are some really um, great pieces of advice. Um, it, I mean, on a related question or, or note to that, um, if you can give a piece of advice to your younger self. Uh, and it could be the same ones you just mentioned because you mentioned such good ones. You said, let's say you can send a message, whether that's like an email or maybe even like a physical letter through time to your younger version of Sandy. What would be that like advice? And once again, it could be around career. It could be around marketing. It could be around anything related to um, uh, what's what, that would make that person a, a better person. Uh, version of themselves so i already mentioned a bunch but now i'm thinking there's there's one that i would like to stress from the last one and then there's another one that i think is a little more maybe tactical but um i mentioned i mentioned my mentor so i think if i could go back and talk to my younger self i would say build that like network of advisors mentors and it doesn't have to be someone um, older than you, ahead of you. It could also be a you know board of advisors of your peers. Just I think that is so important, especially if you are in startups um, where you are the first marketer. You need other folks to lean on and and help you. And now we're in a space where like community is a huge thing, so you can join all these incredible communities and meet people there. But I think it's about really building those connections, finding folks that you can lean on. Um, and, and those folks can become people that you not only lean on for advice on marketing, but, you know, what is the next startup you should go work for? What's next in your career? Um, so I think I would like to really stress that my success, I think, has a lot to do with the mentors and advisors that I've been able to um, surround myself with. And I just wish I had done that earlier because it is such a like level up. You you learn things so much faster that way. Um, the second more tactical thing is no matter your role, become extremely competent at writing things. Um, if you can't explain your ideas in a written format super succinctly and clearly, then you know that you don't necessarily understand it. And I think it's it's the fastest way to kind of 
you know, especially in in a if you're working for a super technical product company, you know, you really need to hone that skill. Um, and then it'll help you in other regards too, like sending a super concise email, uh, sending very clear Slack messages so that you can get work done faster with your team. But I think um, writing is is extremely important. And I know now that we have ChatGPT, everyone's like, great, a writing shortcut. Um, <laughs> I still think it's important for people to hone that skill themselves. Yeah, Don't outsource 100%. it all to ChatGPT. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, I would say that probably marketing, uh, like writing is like the, the if cash is the, the blood of, of the business, then writing and copywriting and words is the heart of marketing. <laughs> yeah. That's all we have. Emails, landing pages, uh, websites, community chat, and yeah. media meetings and landing. Yeah, for sure. It's so. not super groundbreaking advice, but it's worth repeating because I've, I've come worth, across some I, like real tragic writing. Um, right. <laughs> you know? I, I, I worry that with AI, people would like make it their crutch. You know, like how people worry that calculators would... I mean, I'm sure... I mean, it, it's happened. Calculators have... I can't calculate stuff in my head anymore, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, but like way back then, my dad, my dad, my dad would be like, "Oh, when I was in school, we would like just memorize it and we would just spit it out, and we could do it like the multiplication table in five seconds." Yeah. Versus, versus now, it's calculators, so it's probably the same. Where I hope AI doesn't come to crunch. I'm worried, right? like that that skill is going to atrophy for a lot of us. I mean. I don't, if I don't write for a few weeks, I notice in my own writing that, oh God, like this could have, this five right. paragraphs, like this could have been one sentence. Um, right. And uh, actually one thing that I've been thinking about a lot, uh, someone in our team mentioned it in Slack. And then actually my husband mentioned it to me recently too, but it's, uh, I don't remember who the quote is, but it's like, I didn't have time to write you a short letter, so I wrote you a long one instead. And it's like short, concise so writing is actually right. really hard and it's you have to really practice hard, it right? a lot. Super hard. And I don't think yeah. I've nailed it yet either, but yeah. gotta keep trying. <laughs> I love this chat with Sandy. I hope you learned as much as I did. We talked about branding and community and how Pocus is doing product-led sales differently from other folks. You can find out more about Pocus's community at pocus.com or find Sandy on LinkedIn. All of those links are in the description and show notes. Thanks to Sandy for being on the show. If you enjoyed this episode, you'd love the Marketing Power-Ups newsletter. I share the actionable takeaways and break down the frameworks of world-class marketers. You can go to marketingpowerups.com to subscribe and you'll instantly unlock the three best frameworks that top marketers use to hit their KPIs consistently and wow their colleagues. I want to say thank you to you for listening and Please like and follow Marketing Power Ups on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. If you feel extra generous, kind of leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leave a comment on YouTube. Goes a long way in others finding out about Marketing Power Ups. Thanks to Mary Sullivan for creating the artwork and design. And thank you to Faisal Kaigo for editing the intro video. And of course, thank you for listening. That's all for now. Have a powered update. Marketing Power Ups. Until the next episode...